Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Grindhouse, where we drink coffee and talk about movies. My name is Sean Tatro, and today with my girlfriend and co-host, Leah Diana, we will be winding back the reel to 1975. There is a phenomenon that occurs in long-distance driving, where staring at the lines on the road can produce a sort of hypnotic effect. A case of this highway hypnosis was only a small part of the events that occur in 1970s Arizona, when a young married man becomes an independent long-haul driver, and he risks his life fighting the corruption in the local long-haul trucking industry in white line fever. Let's get into it. Carol Joe is back. Jerry waited two long years. Now it's time to make a life for themselves. He's an honest trucker who won't make deals. I mean, I don't haul that stuff, I don't drive, huh? That's right, just keep your mouth shut and do as you're told. But it gets tougher for both of them. I'm pregnant, Carol Joe. And I've been thinking I wish I weren't. They force him to fight back, their way. But he won't quit. Get up! No matter what. You're about to walk off a cliff, boy! He's only gonna get you dead, man! They got the muscle. They own the law. You're under arrest for the murder of Wayne Howard. They terrify his wife. Take the deal and let's get the hell away from here. He's a working man who's had enough. Hey, bitty dog, you know who this is. You call him and tell him I'm coming here. Ride with Carol Joe on a trip you'll never forget. You dirty cocksuckers. Tell all your grave robbing friends I want them out of the city now! The nightmare of insane murder. From the depths of hell. The monster of the angel of death. Only at the grindhouse. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you did not enjoy this experience. I hated experience. this film. <laughs> We've been doing 
very like different stuff from last year. But what in tarnation was this shit? I mean, this like we we talked a little bit at the end of last week's episode, but this is one of those absolute classics in the Grindhouse era. This is one of those like this is a movie that if you love like car films or like high speed like stunt action this is one of those types of movies there really wasn't much of either in my my 2000 and whatever brain well that's the problem you're approaching this movie for the first time i'd rather watch fast and furious and i've never seen that movie before (laughs) in my life you're approaching this movie for the first time through a very modern way of watching movies. This is a 70s movie. All 70s movies were slower paced. Like, that's just how things were done. This, for the most part, has a lot of a lot of action or stunt scenes. And the stunt scenes that it does have are really fucking memorable. I think so. Alright, plead your case. Well, I mean, we're going to get into some of the specific ones, but... Try to convince me this was a good movie. I don't think I'm going to be able to, because you are a stubborn one, and you're very (laughs) set in your ways. So, I've heard of White Line Fever before. Like, I've heard there's a film called White Line Fever. I thought it was like... Okay, why went into this thinking it was a Van Damme type of movie? Oh, no. Like, I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be like Jean-Claude Van Damme in that New Orleans film we watch. Hard Target. Yeah, I thought it was going to be one of those. I'm like, all right, I'm up for some fun. No, this is a more middle America, like, crossing the panhandle kind of... Dude, this ain't anywhere near the panhandle. This is a different type of Southern. This is Texas, Arizona... Hot as hell, dry desert heat kind (laughs) of action. Which for me is being a Yankee girl. Mm -mm. (laughs) Not my cup of tea. uh, This one, it's a very similar type of movie to something like Walking Tall. The fuck is Walking Tall? Uh, Walking Tall was a... I forget when the original came out, but it was remade in like the early 2000s starring The Rock. And... uh, it's basically that type of movie where it's like, oh, a man comes home after being away for a very long time to find that, like, the town he knew is now driven by corruption and organized crime, so he decides that he's going to take a stand against it. My big question is, after the movie was starting to, like, we got to a certain part in the movie, I'd read the synopsis a little, to get a little more of an understanding. So there's a whole fucking backstory with the entire opening. Yeah, which I was like, the fuck, how the fuck are we supposed to get this? Number one, I'm actually gonna get into that when I go into the breakdown because so much of that is just completely lost in translation. It's glazed over. We're supposed to assume like a quarter of the film before it even starts. Yeah, there's a lot of information that like you're somehow supposed to get from these quick opening credits, which are mostly photos. But number two. The man is a Vietnam War veteran. Yes. You don't think this son of a bitch can call up his buddies and be like, hey, we're all fucked up in the head. Why don't you come join me and help me out with something? Honestly, that would have made for a completely different movie. Uh, Problem solved right there. (laughs) You would have had Spanky Joe and Sparky Jack being like, ah, let's kill somebody. Like, come on. (laughs) This 
was literally a white collar action film. Yes. Nothing wrong with it. No. Really, um, like you were last week. I was a little bored. And I don't blame you because, like, this is. You gotta kind of be into older action films mm. to enjoy them. Like, I grew up with older action films, so, like, this is the type of stuff that I I kind of remember fondly. Plus, it doesn't help that I came from a family that loved cars and specifically NASCAR. <laughs> so. Yeah, my family's new to NASCAR. My father moved down to Florida, now he's into the cars making right turns for fucking hours. But, you know. <laughs> I, I see the appeal of Formula One. Agreed. I and I do like cars. I had an ex that loved like Forza and all those car games, and I really got into cars. I really do enjoy them. I was in the trucking industry for a while. If the trucking industry was this exciting, I would have stayed in it. <laughs> like, I'm sure it is somewhere. Uh, where Arizona? Who knows. <laughs> Uh, but this one, it starts out kind of slow. That I feel like that's it's taking its time to kind of like build us into the story, even though it skips a huge chunk of it. Yeah, like twenty percent of the <laughs> fucking movie. But overall, I think this one kind of it's like a showcase of like the of like the kick-ass car stunts that they were doing back then in terms of like real drivers in real cars it's not like now where you can fake a lot of it with oh, yeah. fucking either CG or just like launching a car with nobody in it you can put a <laughs> uh, what is it called a cinder block on the gas pedal and just watch it launch itself kind they, of thing they even have ones that are not that have no drivers now like you can actually radio control the entire car well, that's for the safety of the stuntmen. I, I want to know how many stuntmen walked away scot-free from this film. Quite a There's few. There's a couple of scenes where I'm like, that had to hurt. Yeah. Um, but like you said, the, the bulk of the backstory is kind of just left out of the film. And it's definitely information I'm going to go over when we get into it. Hmm. But before we get into the film too much, we can't get by without mentioning the sponsor this week, our favorite coffee brand, Pete's. Now, I'm sure you guys are getting kind of tired of us talking about our sponsors in every single episode. We're a broken VHS, if you will. <laughs> so I'm not going to I'm not gonna go crazy this week. Pete's Coffee is one of our favorites. It's We love it so much that we got them as a sponsor for this podcast yep. they offer every kind of coffee you can imagine and i literally can't talk enough about it i could talk more about it but like you said we're becoming a broken record with our sponsors so trust us try pete's coffee give it a go if you really like it go to the show note description below sign up for the sponsor of the Sign up for the subscription where you can have your coffee delivered right to your door. You don't have to go to the store. And if you choose to sign up for that subscription, because we love you so much, we're going to get you 30% off by using promo code NEWSUB30 at checkout. Take it from us, two people who drink far too much coffee. Way too much coffee. You're not going to want anything less than Pete's. Guaranteed. Transitioning back into the movie here, a 
think we're starting to ride a theme of sexism this month. I don't. I did. Oh. I don't even know what our next movie is going to be, but I, dear God, I hope that I didn't make the right choice and continue this trend. Because let's talk about, let's let's go in depth about this movie because holy hell are the women treated like garbage. Like literally all of them. Even our uh, protagonist's wife at a couple points is like pushed aside. Yeah, nobody fucking cares. Like, what, was it that bad in the 70s? I'm thinking it was, because, like, so far, every movie we have, we've been watching, women are just so poorly treated. Dude, we've got no women empowerment lately. None. Zero. And I'm not going to even count Can't Hardly Wait as women empowerment, because that, that movie is purely about a dude chasing a fucking chick. That's true. Actually, a c- several dudes uh, chasing chicks. An entire school full of dudes. And maybe a couple lesbos. I don't even know. <laughs> so this week we watched White Line Fever. It's a 1975 Canadian-American action crime neo-noir film directed by Jonathan Kaplan. This film is... It was co-written by Kaplan and Ken Friedman. And it stars quite a few names here. Jan Michael Vincent, Kay Lenz, Sam Laws, Slim Pickens, LQ Jones, Don Porter, R.G. Armstrong, Lee French, Dick motherfucking Miller, and Martin Cove. (laughs) Our patron saint. Of the episode. Of the episode. <laughs> this originally came out July 16th, 1975. It was made on a budget of 1,400,000 Canadian and brought in a box office of $35 million. So this was quite a success based on that initial budget. Can you back up just a small twinge? Just, just a twinge. Canadian? American film? Yes, this was a joint effort. Is this movie punishment because we make fun of Canadians because they say a boot and I'm sorry? Like, is this... Is this... We all make fun of Canadians. I am partially Canadian French. I make fun of myself. (laughs) So, so, sorry, I don't mean to, you know, step on toes, but is this what they think of us? Is this what Canadians think of us? I mean, I don't think that was the intention. Uh, well, maybe this, maybe like the South American, not South America, but Southern Americans. I don't, I don't know. That just like, I don't know. Canadian American film threw me for a loop. Definitely, like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I don't understand that one. Well, it's mildly a can exploitation. God, all I can see is somebody pinning a Canadian geese to a table, going, "Who's your mom?" <laughs> When you say Canuxploitation, that's what comes to mind. That's what it's referred to. Canadian. It's called Canuxploitation? Canadian exploitation films were Canuxploitation films. My God, if somebody pisses me off soon, I'm going to be like, you Canuxploitation, and just walk away and see what they say at that point. That's not going to make any sense. (laughs) Look, I'm enjoying just throwing random insults at people, and now you've given me a new one. Oh, God. So for those listening at home, Leah is not 
an action movie person. No. She hates it. I don't like them. She hates it when I choose these types They're of movies. They're so boring. How are they boring? Like, I need you to elaborate. Me men, me have penis, me beat things with a stick. No, I want some thought behind my movies. This was literally a bunch of dudes jacking off in a server going, well, I'm more corrupt than you. I mean, the villains, yeah. <laughs> and then you got blonde Johnny B. Good being like, I'm going to be righteous. I'm going to stand up for everybody. And he's literally hospitalized several times. He is. Our uh, our hero of this movie is the the infamous Jan Michael Vincent. Yeah, I kind of was looking him up a little bit. Oof. Yeah, he so Jan Michael Vincent was he was quite the star in like seventies and eighties. I believe he did a show called Airwolf. Yeah, Airwolf was like his big thing. Yeah, he did a, a series and a movie. Yeah, that that was like I think his biggest claim to fame outside of like one hit wonders like this. And several of the things he's done since then are just low-budget schlock. Uh, we've seen him pop up on Red Letter Media before. Several times, yeah. Uh, in roles where it looked like he basically played the whole movie drunk. and Well, that's because he was. Yeah, and now the man, if he's still alive, I think he's still I think alive. He, I think he died. Oh, he did die. He passed yeah. away in 2019. But he had several run-ins with the law, sexual um, allegations, and like... So he was not so Johnny B. Good. No, no, he was Johnny B. Towing the white line fever. Oh! <laughs> so, it's worth noting, this week we watched the movie on VHS, as we always try to these days um the copy that we have is the columbia pictures release for those of you who know vhs Mm. that's that beautiful red border box and this is in pretty good condition yeah the copy we snagged uh we actually found this at our um at our gem of a store our secret spot this was in that magical little box we turn the corner in this magical box okay it's not magical we know somebody owns the goddamn booth but this magical box just gets filled with just gems every time i turn the corner and i go honey there's more in the box yeah and i now know who owns that box it's our favorite seller because he labels these a certain way. He moved! He always puts these little these little labels on the tapes that we get from him that they have the title of the movie, the uh, the price, and he usually tries to put a little note on there that tells you like what kind of condition it's in. Yeah, because I've got I bought a couple of hammer movies that he put one of them he put like um never touched or never used or something. Yeah, so on this one, he uh, he actually put it on the tape itself, and it says, uh, tested, 22 minutes, good condition. Damn. So, like, he he's very good about labeling his tapes, and I, I appreciate that so much. If this man is listening, you know who you are. You're a god. Fill the box. We'll be there next month. <laughs> Fill the box. You know what? Contact me. Information's down in the show notes. We'll take... <laughs> All of it. Everything you got. And it's painful 
how much Sean will actually take. But I do have to say we have maybe about only uh, enough room to put 25 more boxes in this apartment before uh, I'm a tripping hazard again. Just saying. <laughs> I'm all healed up. My ankle works. Uh, works okay. But uh, please, for the love of God, do not get enough tapes to kill me. He's laughing, but he knows he'll do it. I will. I have a problem. He's going to call me and be like, so there's tapes in the shower. Don't turn it on until I get home. So shifting to the back of the box here, we've... We actually... This one is one of the ones I was talking about a couple weeks ago. Much like China Syndrome. The back of the box, no quotes attributed just the old style photos from the movie and the descriptor and this one reads carol joe hummer just wants to make an honest living as a trucker but when a gang of ruthless criminals tries to break him nothing can quell his anger hummer jan michael vincent arrives in tucson with his bride jerry k lens and his seven and a half ton diesel truck named the named the oh my god named the blue mule he finds work through an old friend Dwayne Slim Pickens who manages a truck company when Hummer realizes he will be carrying illegal cargo he refuses to he refuses the haul and as a result is beaten by an organized yeah and as a result is beaten by an organized group of criminals headed by Cutler Don Porter because of Hummer's continued defiance, Cutler's gang murders Dwayne, sets fire to Hummer's house, and beats Jerry, killing their un- killing their expected baby. Enraged, Hummer and the bu- oh my god, that is so hard to say for some reason. Enraged, Hummer and the <sighs> let me try this. Enraged, Hummer and Blue Mule storm the impregnable Cutler's fortress in a spectacular act of revenge. I mean, that basically describes the film. Impregnable? Yeah, poor choice of words. <laughs> you beat you beat a woman till she lost a baby in the movie, and then you decide impregnable is the word to go for a tiny little gate with a little security box? That's what they chose. <laughs> I don't know. I appreciate the eloquent word usage, but uh, I don't think you know what that means. Impregnable is Fort Knox, is Alcatraz. This house is not impregnable if somebody rams a truck through it. (laughs) That's very true. Or is it? Maybe this house is magical. This house is not magical. (laughs) Magically stupid! Um, Something to note with this one the the score for this is absolutely ridiculous it define ridiculous well it basically consists of banjo picking and hillbilly tunes so all right i thought you were gonna be like ridiculously good i would have been like <laughs> no, 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 back no, no, no the fucking truck off. this is not the type of music that i would ever fucking listen to willingly unless it was just in a movie you want to hear a little fun fact What's that? My grandfather knows how to play the banjo, and I really enjoyed when my grandfather would play his banjo when I was younger. He liked bluegrass. Bluegrass is one thing, but what we heard in this... Was a dude stringing a fucking guitar string over a tin can going... 
Like we were literally listening to. I'm pretty sure that exact song played at one point. Yeah, and it, all of our action scenes have this type of music over it, and it's just it almost turns it into a comic uh, comedy. Om- it's almost as bad as the action driving sequences now in games and movies have techno songs along with oh, them. Oh God! This is like what they did with this. Hey, hey, hey! No shit. On my fucking EDM music. I'm not, but EDM there's a time and a place. <laughs> yeah, the time and the place is when you get in that car and you're like, time to run over some bitches. No. Boom. <laughs> Come on. Get back to the movie. Let's just get back to the movie because this is. Uh, I'm gonna lose my voice this episode. I am going to say that. All right, we're gonna we're gonna head into this one. <laughs> Because we got a lot of ground to cover, especially since half of it was left off the screen. This plot, this is a lot of plot. There's a lot of plot. So buckle in, kids. So, as we said, Sam Hummer is a local truck driver from Tucson, Arizona. He works on... Yeah, no, no. It starts off with his father. Yeah, correct. No, I was misreading. Who works for a Tucson-based produce shipper called Red River. His driving partners are Dwayne Holler and Pops Dinwiddie. Eventually, Sam's son, Carol Joe, hereafter known as CJ, is old enough to ride with his father, and the two of them then become partners as well. Sam changes the lettering on the trailer of his rig to read Sam Hummer and Son. CJ begins dating Jerry, and the two want to get married. But Sam ends up passing away, and the trucking partnership just suddenly ends. As a result, CJ goes off and joins the Air Force and is soon sent to Vietnam. CJ performs well in Vietnam and is deemed a hero. But all he wants to do is return home to Jerry. Jerry spends her time waiting for his return, which is the subject of the film's theme song, Drifting and Dreaming by Valerie Carter. None of that is told to us in the movie. We start here. Yep. <laughs> the opening sequence so shows CJ's plane arriving from overseas as Jerry and her brother give him a hero's welcome. We see the two get married and start their life together in humble settings. CJ obtains a loan from the bank to purchase a truck. He and Jerry visit a local used truck sales lot where he purchases a repossessed 1974 Ford WT9000 cab over rig with a 350 NTC Cummins turbo diesel engine. Why all of that was important to list, I have no fucking idea. Because people want to know. They want to know what the truck is. I'm not vehicle automotive savvy so none of that means shit to me big ass powerful truck that's all i needed to it's know a diesel <laughs> ford that's all that matters well it's it's not powerful enough it doesn't have a six fucking liter v8 look we're not there yet <laughs> you gotta let america get a little older before we put the this v8 in the rig can you put a v8 in the rig i don't think so it's a whole different type of fucking engine uh, so the salesman ends up throwing in a custom paint job to seal the deal, and CJ picks a blue and white paint scheme, um, highlighting the words Blue Mule on the cab. 
all of this stuff happens in like a montage. Like it's very quick yep. and passes very. You just get the idea. It's like, oh, he came back to town. They got married. He buys a truck. He decides to become a trucker. Like nothing with his father being a trucker or any of that comes his through. His father isn't even cast in the movie. No, he's in a photograph. Yep, that's it. He's in a picture. I, Jesus Christ. So later, the two of them are, they're very happy as they, they're driving around in the new truck and they're imagining their life, their future that's ahead of them. CJ announces to, oh, okay. CJ announces to the local listeners on the CB radio that he is in business for himself and is intent on getting as much as he can so that he can get out of oh so that he can get out from under the thumb of the bank as quickly as possible because they technically own the truck but Mm. he's trying to pay it off so it will be completely his so when CJ goes back to work at Red River he finds out that things aren't the way he knew them to be when he was growing up with Mm. his dad he sees a lot of unfriendly and unfamiliar faces that are working there now um Dwayne Haller, who's like the, I guess he's like the manager there. Yeah. He, and he's the guy who like assigns all the routes. So he informs him that the company is now hauling untaxed cigarettes, slot machines, and other contraband. And he further states that if he wants to stay out of trouble and keep working, that he's going to have to just make these hauls and keep his mouth shut. Suck it up and do it. Yep. And this pisses CJ off. Um, He gets angry and he forces his rig to be unloaded. And he kind of makes a vow that he's he's never going to haul illegal cargo. Um, But after an altercation with the guy's name was Clem. It's just one of the the meatheads working there. Um, He ends up coming back to his rig and he finds that they vandalized it with cow manure. It's gonna smell like shit. <laughs> You're not kidding. <laughs> Later in the day, uh, Carol Joe is pulled over, driving down a lonely highway, um, by Deputy Bob, who's like the local sheriff, and it turns out that he is involved in this whole. He's getting a payoff to leave Red River alone, but keep the truckers in line. Yeah. Which is fucking stupid. Absolutely. Um, He ends up handcuffing CJ to his truck and then speeds off and leaves him on the side of the highway. Clem and one of his other goons show up and they beat the shit out of him and break his ribs with a... I think it was like a big-ass wrench. Um, After CJ recuperates at least enough from his injuries he goes back out and tries to find work for different trucking companies mm. and each and every one of them turn him away as soon as he tells them his name yep he is blacklisted by red river red river has basically gone to all of these different companies and told them that he's not a team player and basically done everything they can to keep him from being able to work he wants he wants to work for legal things, so uh, we don't want him to work for any of you. What? 
it, it's fucked up. It's, it's sad to, to see how like how much fucking power some of these companies have. Just like if you don't do what they want, fuck you. You're never gonna work again. And I even said it. Like, do you think companies are still doing this now? Sorry, no. I mean, technically, yeah, they are. Like, a lot of the times it's on smaller scales, but like, it's why you can't really leave anywhere on bad terms anymore because like if they if a new job calls one of your old ones and they tell them oh you were a fucking asshole well that's why there's the rule in place where we live in rhode island where all you can ask your previous employer or the previous or the employer now can only ask your employer were they a good worker and you can say yes or no or would you take them back yes or no they are not allowed to badmouth you because, huh, let it be known, Rhode Island in the 80s, 90s, and 70s had a lot of mafia ties in. I don't know if anybody knows who uh, Buddy Cianci is, Mayor Buddy Cianci, but uh, I'm going to say this. That is the only corrupt mayor that made a place better with mafia tie-ins. That'll never happen again. No, but I mean, <laughs> it's not wrong. Providence was a piece of trash at one point, and now... Providence is a really decent city. I mean, it's gone downhill lately, but, you know, where hasn't gone downhill? The whole world is in the shitter. The whole world sucks. Uh, understandably livid, CJ returns to Red River with a shotgun and threatens Dwayne. <laughs> Was this a good idea? <laughs> Was this a good idea? Dwayne informs them that he's just a pawn in the game and that the person he actually needs to talk to is Dwayne's boss, Buck Wessler. He sounds like a piece of shit. This dude was a piece of shit. Did he look like Charles Bronson to you? A little. Had, I was like, was this Bronson? Are we had, getting Bronson? He had a little bit of Bronson in there. Are we there. getting two patron saints in one movie? No, nah. no, no. Um, but yeah, Buck is... A sleazy, low-level crook who manages Red River. Uh, Buck agrees to let CJ take a load to Dallas for your contraband. And Sam Hummer's old friend Pops decides to come along. And he's going to help make sure he gets there safe. Mm -hmm. En route, they get attacked by men from Red River. But they manage to fight them off and continue on your way. On... On their way, not your way, their way. My way. <laughs> but um, this is this is actually a pause moment because this is one of the bigger action scenes in the movie. It's like this huge chase where CJ actually ends up climbing hanging from the from the cab, yeah, not the cab. He's hanging from the trailer with a shotgun in one hand and his hand holding onto the truck. And I'm like, what? What safety was in this action sequence? I saw no lines. I didn't see another car underneath. I saw nothing. And I'm sitting there going, oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my no, god. I honestly want to know if uh, he did his own If he did stunts. his own stunts. Because it looked like it was him. I'm going to look that up while you keep going. It absolutely looked like it was him. Um, throughout the rest of the story CJ tries to make a living by driving daily loads in and out of Tucson mainly for Red River. Um, he slowly discovers that Red River is actually owned by a large corporation based in Phoenix called The Glass House. And this is basically, it's a diversified energy and transportation company. Unbeknownst to him, though, Glass House is actually a front for organized crime. It's just 
fuck this this whole thing is like a nesting doll of assholes it really is Oh, they use the trucking companies that they own as a transportation system for their syndicate and its illegal shipments. And it's worth noting this movie takes place over a very long stretch of time. So over the course of several months, CJ tries to organize the other drivers at Red River and around Tucson to stand up against Glasshouse and refuse to haul illegal cargo. Now, this isn't really told to us. It just kind of suddenly is happening. Mm. I think it wasn't until the they're they're at like this kind of party thing where you realize that they're somewhat organized. The truckers or the the truckers, yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, I've been in the trucking industry before, and my dad, when I was a kid, used to have he had a CB radio installed in our Ford Windstar van. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. <laughs> and I I had I had a handle, my dad had a handle, and a bunch of his buddies had handles. And I talked to a lot of these people. And they really are a tight-knit, close group of people because it's like, yeah, okay, you're competing with these people for jobs. But also, if you don't stand with your own, you let businesses like this walk all over you. Yeah. I uh, I just wish that had been a little more clear Honestly, in the movie, I, I think. I wish it was, too, because it got a little, like... Spotty? You're got, like, um, what's happening? Yeah, like you weren't entirely sure what was happening, and then all of a sudden it'd be like, oh, they're all working together. Oh, okay, <laughs> they're all friends. Hey, friends, like, what is happening? <laughs> um, in the process of all this, CJ is, ends up being beaten, vandalized. He's cheated out of things. He, he eventually is framed for Dwayne Haller's murder. Okay, that was epic. Yeah, that whole sequence of events. I don't know what Dwayne was doing. So I think the... So one of the secretaries was in the truck with him. Yeah. And I think the secretary was like, oh, we're going to drive down this little road and we're going to go to a place. I think she was part of luring him into this plot. You think so? Well, yeah, because she was kind of like doing the ick, like, oh, stop touching me kind of thing. Oh, we never see her again after that. No, you don't see her again. She was one of the receptionists in the beginning when CJ shows up the first time. But I believe she was like, oh, yeah, no, Dwayne. She said, it's right down this road. Keep going. Oh, what are we going to see? You'll see when we get there. And I think she was part of the plot of him getting killed. So You're right. I wasn't even thinking about that. See, women are used for men's games, and I hate games, and I hate it. But 
they end up getting chased down and cornered by several semi trucks filled with goons. They box the, the semi trucks do something what's called boxing in. They boxed in his I don't know what looks like to be a Cadillac Deville that you know Southern Cruella Deville should be driving. She's not wearing puppy. She's wearing cattle. Like, he's got cattle horns on the front of this goddamn thing. And he's necking with this secretary, not paying attention. And all of a sudden, they make him pull over on the side of the road. They pull him out of the car. They rough him up. He's in the middle of the road. They chloroform him. They chloroform him. So he's kind of like, and they do chloroform right. Chloroform doesn't knock you out quickly. It makes you a little, like, loopy. And he stumbles into the middle of the road, comes to, and one of the trucks that was boxing him in at, like, 60 miles an hour goes, BAM! And keeps fucking going. Meanwhile, they put CJ on this 30-hour impossible trip from where he's living in fucking Austin, in Austin, Texas, to Salt Lake City, Utah, to deliver avocados. Rotten avocados. Rotten avocados. And then they frame him for murder, and I'm like... Didn't you guys have, like, logs back then for keeping track of stuff? Like, it would tell you on the log he was nowhere fucking near when this guy was killed. Yeah, but I'm sure this the whole point was they were sending him off so he'd be out of the way so they could set him up. Yeah, but if the trucking... Okay, now I gotta look up, because this whole... You've heard of this stuff, too, because you worked kind of in the industry. When you're a trucker, you have to keep track of your hours, and you get blacked out of your hours. Heat one, 30 hours is fucking impossible in a day. Yeah. Impossible. And two, you have to keep track of all of your driving logs. So like, oh yeah, this dude, the, this, this, this corporation or company has, you know, the police and, and lawyers in their back pocket. How in the world was a grand jury going to indict this kid on murder when there was proof he was nowhere near there? I mean, the only thing I can assume is that they just got rid of the paperwork. So that there yeah. was no record of him Getting, leaving. Get, digital stuff now is easier to keep track of because there's always a digital footprint with the paperwork. Yeah. But back then, everything was logs, paperwork. You had to keep track of all this shit. It's like, Jesus Christ. Um, so CJ's arrested. Um, eventually, he is acquitted. Well, they try to make a plea deal, take a plea saying he did it and get six months in like some sort of like work camp or be indicted uh, for murder murder and i'm like that's okay maybe it's like my law and order brain or like my you know watching all these crazy fucking shit i'm a woman i like true crime there's no way this guy would have gotten indicted it's fine but like I'm sitting there going, this doesn't seem realistic. And then I'm like, huh, you're thinking 2023, Leah, not 1975, Leah. 1975, Leah did not exist yet. So, you know, it's not the same. (laughs) You're not the same. Uh, After his acquittal, CJ ends up discovering the body of Pops. That pissed me off. uh, Who was, he was driving the blue mule while CJ was in jail. And they find his body. I think it's in his bed. She, his wife, finds his body in the in her in their bed. Yeah, and he's got like a wrench shoved through his face. Yeah, like holy <laughs> shit! Uh, but this leads to kind of a climactic confrontation with, with Pop's son. All, well, it's all the big red drivers against Buck and all of his goons in the loading dock. Yeah, and it, it turns into a big old fashioned brawl. 
and CJ ends up chasing Buck through the warehouse. Beating the shit out of this dude. Yeah, he ends up beating him senseless um, until CJ's brother-in-law stops him. Um, Carnell shows up, who is Pops' son, um, also wanting to beat the hell out of him, but they kind of hold him off. With the chase scene that happens between CJ and Buck, do you think they placed the cardboard boxes appropriately so nobody got hurt? Yes. (laughs) Like, there were, you're looking around, and at one point I was like, okay, the boxes make sense. There were, there were, it was evident that several of these boxes were empty. There was a side shot of a box, and it was literally an empty box, and I'm like, did nobody setting up the scene want to turn that box to maybe make it look like? <laughs> Fuck it. It's fine. <laughs> this was a big movie in the 70s. Like, did nobody... Was was everybody dumb? Probably. Were they dumb? <laughs> also, I cannot find if CJ... Or I cannot find if John Michael did his own stunts at all. Uh, unfortunate. No. Um, a few days later, CJ, Carnell, and all the other... Red River drivers, they're all invited out to Glass House um, for some kind of a meeting with the senior management. Because Buck and his goons have been driven out of Red River, so now he wants to implant someone new. What better way to do that than CJ, which they think CJ has a hold of all the other drivers. Yeah, so they basically, from what I could understand, they offer him a deal that's very similar to what they were originally offering him at Red River. (laughs) Yeah. And, of course, he doesn't trust Glass House and their shady practices. Shady! So, he declines. Um, He actually offers it to everybody else. If they want to take it, go ahead. None of them accept the offer. Mm -hmm. That night, CJ and Jerry are viciously attacked by a masked thug while they're sleeping. Who beats them both with a crowbar... And sets the house on fire. I was like, holy shit. Like, they, this dude is, like, wailing on both of them. And then literally spreads gasoline all over their bedroom. What? Uh, luckily, CJ wakes up with enough time to get them both out of the house before it partially burns down. Yeah. Later on at the hospital, the doctor informs him that Jerry has lost the baby. Um, and that... Sh- She's never going to be able to have children. So her dreams of them having a family are gone. And they have a big fight at one point before all of this, the two of them, because he's very much standing up for what he believes in. And she just wants them to like fucking forget about it and go away. Like, just go away, just go away. But that's not who he is. That's not what he stands for. And I agree with him that, no, we're not going to put our tail between our legs and run away. We're going to face this. We're going to stand up for this. And I believe there's an air of she's not sure if she wants to do this anymore, which absolutely kills me because they were so in love before. And if only she could see that he's standing up for what is right. Like, my father built this company, all of this, and all of a sudden now it's just like... And we're and supposed I, to just let it go? I think if that information had been in there, it would have been harder for that character to f- feel that yes. way. But it's not It's there. not. None of that information is in there. So, uh, at, following this, we see CJ return home. He's very clearly defeated. defeated. 
And this is probably one of my favorite shots in the whole movie. You got so excited. Because it's just this slow, this wide shot of him pulling up to the house. He gets out of the car and it's the camera's just slowly pulling in. Yep. And he goes in through the front door. Door closes behind him and we just stop and hold on the front door. And we're like, what is going to happen? What's while. the next scene going to be? And then moments later, he comes back through that door brandishing a fucking shotgun. Piss and vinegar all in him. He's got rust and bitch face. This man has a mission, and I'm just like, oh shit, someone's getting fucked up. He hops right in the blue mule. And drives. And drives. Now, he radios Deputy Bob that... He had, apparently, I didn't get this from the movie. What? Okay, explain this one. Apparently, he radios Deputy Bob, the, the cop that was yeah. fucking with him, um, that he's headed to the glass house and to tell them that he's coming. Oh, and then he runs Bob's car off the road. That's what I, I wasn't paying attention to the, the cop's radio, but I think that's what came over the radio right oh, before. Oh, okay. All right. Um, Bob tries to intercept him. And CJ runs him off the road, destroying his patrol car. Literally, at one point, I feel like it was an. I feel like it was a stunt that wasn't supposed to happen, but the truck picked up like the back of it, and like the car, the the patrol car almost went like like ninety degrees in the air and then dropped back down. Yeah. And I'm like, the stunt guy is in that fucking car. Like you can clearly see the stunt guy get lifted and boom. Yeah. And you're like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> Oh, is he all, okay? All right. Um, CJ shows up at Glass House. Oh, no. He doesn't just show up. Well, he shows up there, He's and he's faced with several, several heavily armed security guards <laughs> who are all waiting for him at the gate. He takes a moment, but eventually he accelerates as fast as he can toward them. They all open fire on his truck. He actually ends up taking a bullet to like the, the cheek. Yeah, to the to the to the face. Yeah. But he manages to run through the security gate and keeps right on fucking going in another spectacular stunt. Launches himself into the the marquee that says G H for Glass House, and that truck just bursts through this fucking glass metal thing. And oh my god. That was exciting. It is a spectacular fucking stunt. Can you imagine being on set that day when they go rolling, action, and then that hit? And you're just standing there like, oh, yeah. I can speak from a little bit of experience. Like, so one of the movies that I had the opportunity to work on had a car stunt where we flipped a car over. And being on set, shooting behind the scenes for that was fucking thrilling. It's such a small car flip. Like, it wasn't... Nothing explodes, nothing, like, actually caught on fire or anything, but just being there, like, watching this car rip past you, go off a ramp, and flip down the road. Was this the one, the the movie that's during the winter, too? Uh, Mind's Eye, yeah. Oh, shit. It was such a fucking cool moment to have experienced in person. And I can't imagine being on set for something like that. The adrenaline and the anxiety you must feel is incredible watching that. Oh, God. It was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So following this scene, we kind of we dip off to black and we come back 
for basically the ending of the film. Which mimics the beginning, because the beginning of the film starts off with a news report about the change in the trucking industry or something like that? Yes, I can't remember exactly what they were talking about. But in at And this- it's nowhere mentioned. Nowhere mentioned in any synopsis. I have to tell you this. I've looked at IMDB and I looked at Rotten Tomatoes. This news broadcast, nobody mentions it. No. But, but they mentioned the one at the end. Yeah. And this one at the end, it's the same TV reporter, and he's talking about how all the truckers in Tucson have gone on strike and they've done it for CJ. For CJ, because he stood up for them when no one else would. Yeah. And this strike is basically they're protesting the corrupt system, they're protesting Glasshouse, and um, CJ's brother-in-law goes to the hospital, he actually wheels him out to the parking lot, which is filled with semi-trucks and truckers, and they all just stand, give him a standing ovation. Did you notice one of the things that I noticed that's in the synopsis, too? Yes. Yeah, that was heartbreaking. Which, yeah, I'm about to get to. So CJ starts to smile, but we we pan over from him and we see Jerry in the window directly behind him. And she's still hospitalized, obviously. And she's overlooking all of this, but there's something about this moment that kind of it's it throws you off a little because you're like why isn't she smiling why does she look so upset yeah she's she's not smiling when everyone else is and it kind of gives you this indication that she might still be unsure about living her life as the wife of a whistleblowing hero who is willing to die for his family and the truth isn't that what you want don't you want someone who will stand up for his beliefs some people don't beliefs some people just want someone who sean i want you to be a sniveling sheep and never stand up for yourself basically like so like what the thing is like there are a lot of people who will say like i want somebody brave i want somebody who will protect me when you're faced with it when you're faced with it you some people realize that it's like no i just want somebody who's not gonna go away somebody who's don't make waves yeah, don't some, do anything I, don't, I just want to live a quiet peaceful life with this person and nothing bad ever happened but that's not realistic no no and I feel like the two of us are living that too because I all I wanted in life was a quiet peaceful life between the two of us no issues no problems to wake up every day and just go on you're lucky if I wake up not in pain some days yeah. And it's it's heartbreaking because I know you're looking at it in a way like you're good. You can do your film thing. You can carry on. You can do all this. What's Leah's day going to be like? Like I've got a mobility expiration date, I should say. Like my mobil- my mobility is going downhill. With the surgery it's gotten better. I mean, it's not it's not fucking great. I can probably do about 2 miles of walking a day. After that, it's got to hit that old weed pipe, you know, uh, so I'm not in pain. <coughs> Excuse me. But, like, you know what that feels like. There must be some days where you're like, I just want, I just want to not have to deal with this. Not have to deal with me, just not have to deal with it. With life. With life. Right. 
everybody feels that way. Like, oh, God, there's, yeah. There's no avoiding that. Sometimes you're just like, oh, I'm tired. But if you go <laughs> against a major corporation of truckers, I don't know if I can be with you. I'm sorry. You should say that. Oh, God. Something I haven't told you. Oh. <laughs> Come on, girls. We're leaving. Yeah. Oh, but that... That's basically the the gist of it, and we and we had to read the synopsis because there's a lot. It's a lot. There's a, it's a lot, and there's not a lot of a good amount of it is left out of the movie. A huge amount. Like without any of that backstory at the beginning, you wouldn't really get why he's so adamant about standing up to these people, other than yeah. the fact that he's a good person. I <laughs> went to the synopsis after getting to the part where. Um, he's getting blacklisted and I'm like why does he care and I'm reading it I'm like his father used to own this company and then his dad died and he went to Vietnam yeah he's a fucking Vietnam war vet and you're treating him like garbage what has happened I was the whole movie I was like I hate this for that reason that this is somebody that fought for your fucking country so let's break his ribs and cause his wife to have a fucking miscarriage because he's standing up for what he believes in I'm sorry yeah, this is this is one of those like average Joe against evil corporation kind of movies. I'll watch Die Hard again and again and again. This one's gonna have to go away. <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree with this one. I don't know. I I definitely like I like this one more than you. I, I like this one more than probably a good amount of people would. The girls hated it too. Um, <laughs> see, they're still both sleeping. I also enjoy these like. 70s, 80s action movies. Yeah. Where, yeah, it's a little slower than an action movie you'd get now, but it's it's a little more raw and a little more real, too. And you know what kills me is I hated it, but I hated it for the reasons where I wanted 70s action schlock. I wanted best of the worst, wheel of bad schlock. So you wanted, this is heartfelt, and it's like, come on! So you wanted, like, Action USA, hard ticket Don't to Don't talk about it, because Action USA is on our fucking it list, is. and I'm not looking forward to it this summer. You just said you wanted action schlock. I want action schlock. Doesn't mean I'm gonna enjoy action oh, schlock. Oh, you're gonna have fun with it, because that one has fucking, uh, hack dude in it. The main kid. The blood. Oh, no, I thought you were gonna talk no, about no, Grandpa. No, no. Oh my god, I will watch Hackalander again and again and again over these action bullshit movies. It's the blood. Well, you better get used to it because we got a lot of action in the future don't of Grindhouse. Don't you, you better get used to it, kid. You don't have you to. don't don't dare. I I will die on this bitching about it hill because I am a woman and that is my job. So I'm gonna start taking applications for co-hosts. Is anybody <laughs> Be prettier than me, please. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Should we shift into closing questions? Uh, you're going to downshift or upshift? What are we doing? Side shift. The, the, oh, <laughs> I can tell this man knows nothing about cars and trucks. Did you have any favorites? Oh, what was my favorite? I, did I write? Did I write my favorite line? Oh, there was. I did have a favorite, and it's a stupid favorite, but I have a favorite. Did you guys know that... Plastic water coolers were not invented until the 80s. During one of the action scenes, they knocked over a water cooler and it shattered like glass. And I was like, those are made of plastic. What the fuck? Googled it. Turns out plastic water coolers weren't invented until the 80s. So now I want to know how many broken glass water coolers were there in 
trucks years ago. Probably a lot. Like, holy shit, they were made of glass? They probably had to pad the shit out of them. Oh my god. Poland Springs must have lost a lot of money in like the early years. Holy Especially, shit. Ma- imagine a truck turns over, they lose all of that. <laughs> Water <laughs> everywhere, as far as the eyes can see. But um, that probably was very interesting. Um, the other interesting thing was just to kind of see the banter between the the truckers because we had CB radios in our cars when I was younger and my dad had a truck we had a Ford Windstar we had a red Ford Taurus non-wagon just a little car which I drove into the garage when I was a kid do not leave the keys in the ignition when you have a six-year-old just saying that now people um but I mean it, it was kind of cool to see that because I remember having a CB handle and my dad teaching me how to use it. And you talk to other truckers and you got to know these people. And yeah, okay, maybe in the 90s it wasn't such a good idea for a young kid to do, like a young girl. But at the same no. time, <laughs> no, no, we make bad choices in the 90s, people. But that was really cool to see like that because I'd done that before. And it's like, oh, that's kind of awesome. You got any faves? I wrote down a couple here. Um, one of which, it, it was a small moment, but when one of the times when we go in and we meet uh, the guy, the head of Red River, I forgot his name already. Buck? Buck. Mm. When we go in and meet Buck, uh, one of his first lines is, they walk into the office and he's, he's just like, Business abroads. Business abroads. <laughs> I thought that was funny. The other one I wrote down was what we both laughed at during the, the film. Um, CJ and his wife are having a fight in the car. And um, she she starts yelling at him. This is after he gets acquitted from, yes. from yep. being arrested and everything. She goes, who do you think got you off? And he's like, the truth got me off. She's like, I got you off. And all I could think was, yeah, you did. Because she's pregnant. I was so proud of Sean. You have no idea. I yelled at him. I'm like, write that down. Write it down. Um, I just, oh, Sean. There it is. There's the perversion I've been waiting for. Honestly, I don't think it would have came to me if she, if if we didn't know she was pregnant and he did. Absolutely, but like, that's where it starts. Baby steps to being a pervert. Baby steps. Someday you'll be like me. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I'm offended. Good. Also, business or broads. If we were in the ni- in the nineties, and if we had a landline with a voicemail. That better be what the answering machine said. Business abroad. Beep. That's it. That would be our answering machine. I know we can do it with cell phones, but it's not not same. You should make that your cell phone answering machine. Oh my machine. god. And if you don't call me every once in a while going, Hey, it's Richard. You know you're real you really are an asshole, Kimberly. Beep. Hang up. We're just gonna have these running jokes from different For, movies. Uh, forever. You know what? I'm gonna do it to somebody that I haven't talked to in a while. I'm just gonna leave them that voicemail. And just so they go, is Leah alright? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, guys. Do you think you would make this today? No. No, because this is where it's supposed to be in the 70s. I hate to say it, we need truckers in this era, but 
not it's not the same shipping and transportation really isn't the same and you can't really do this kind of honestly to be honest this is like white collar corporation crime you can't really do this now because truckers are or people are so regulated by technology that there's no way you can do this now no way i don't know i, I think you could remake it i wouldn't because i like it the way it is but i think you could probably do a modern rendition of this today where it was like you'd have to update the shit out of it and make it fit into the corporate espionage of now but i think and like i would probably cut out all the organized crime stuff yeah and just make it like sleazy corporations okay and I think you could do it. I think it would be much more high tech and ridiculous now. It would be like they'd have to do it in a crazy Fast and the Furious style bullshit, like to make it even work. But I, I won't don't know. be watching that. Actually, you could probably do it as like mildly a heist film too. Like that could be kind of fun. What would you be heisting? Well, rotten avocado. You could just work that into the story somehow. Yeah. Like, oh, they gotta get this thing. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you could, you could have some fun with it. Mm. Is this mainstream exploitation or other? It's Grindhouse. It's, it's this exploitation. Is this, is, this, is, this, is, um, this is vehicle exploitation. This is uh, business or broads exploitation. Yeah. This is definitely, like... It's definitely exploitation. It's, it's like a... If I had to categorize it... Uh, that's a tough one. It, it's, like, a little bit of a lot of things. It's... It's like it's a little bit of everything. It's a little of this. It's a little. Well, it's of like that. car exploitation. It, it's got elements of like revenge exploitation. Yeah. Um, vigilante exploitation. Like that stuff is in there. I feel like if you want to get started on what Grindhouse really is, this is the perfect baby steps movie. This is this is a good starting place. Like, if you've never seen a Grindhouse movie before... Start with know, White Line Fever. I don't know why the fuck you're listening to this podcast, but... <laughs> if Dude, our first movies were 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 hardcore Grindhouse. Now, now's the time, a year or so in, we ease the bits yeah. the Grindhouse stuff. <laughs> yeah, this... I would absolutely recommend this if you never... If you don't... Have never seen Grindhouse or Exploitation movies, but you're interested. Start here. This is a good starting place. Yeah. Um, it's no, it's no exterminator or it's, yeah, it's, it's no hobo with a shotgun. <laughs> oh God, no. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a good place to kick off the yeah. journey. I think. Do you have anything else you'd like to say about white line fever? Can we put it away now? You want to put it away now? Yeah. I want to put it away, put it away, put it away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why red hot chili peppers came in. I was into trying mind. to lead you there. Were you? Yeah. <laughs> Guys, we're starting to meld our brains together. The other day, I don't know what I don't know what you or I fucking said. Oh, example is when I pulled up fucking David Finch or David Fincher, and you were like, "Oh, this is Fincher-esque." I'm like, "I'm on that fucking page right now." You didn't even prompt me. Or, you know, we finish each other's sentences, but it's like stupid sentences. It's not, oh, we gotta go pick up the mail. No, it's like, oh, this fucking broad's being a bitch. Oh, I'm thinking the same thing. Like, stupid shit. (laughs) Our minds are melding and I'm not enjoying it. Welcome to hell. (laughs) Population, us. All right. 
That will bring our discussion to White Line Fever to an end, and we will put it back on the shelf. Can we put it on the shelf in the storage unit? No. Damn it. (laughs) Don't go anywhere just yet. Please stay tuned for the coming attractions. The Monsters. Alive, surging up from the depths of the sea on a tidal wave of terror to wreak vengeance on mankind. Godzilla, king of the monsters, it's alive. A gigantic beast stalking the earth, crushing all before it. In a cyclonic cavalcade of electrifying horror, raging through the streets on a rampage of total destruction. Godzilla, king of the monsters, incredible titan of terror. Wiping out a city of six million in a holocaust of flame. Jet flames cannot destroy it. Bombs cannot kill it. All modern weapons fail. Is this the end of our civilization? Can the scientists of the world find a way to stop this creature? For the answer, see Godzilla, King of the Monsters. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. A tale to stun the mind. More fantastic than any ever written by Jules Verne. More terrifying than any ever shown on the screen. Awesome. Incredible. Unbelievable. A story beyond your wildest dreams. Dynamic violence. Savage action. Spectacular thrills. Godzilla, king of the monsters. Fantastic beyond comprehension. Gripping beyond compare. Astounding beyond belief, the mightiest monster of them all. See Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Oh, oh no, do you see Godzilla? I had to just oh, once. Oh god. <laughs> so I picked this one because obviously this would play in grindhouses. Because it's Godzilla. It's a giant monster movie of it's a course kaiju it would film. play in it's fucking, a fucking kaiju film. but i'm also i'm also picked it because it's march and a year ago my friend passed away who is a fucking huge godzilla fan and sadly i've never seen any godzilla movies prior to the new ones that came out none and I promised How have him. You made it this I long? promised Joe I would watch Godzilla with him. I promised him, and I never fucking watched them with him. <laughs> and now it's like I have to watch them. But I also wanted to start off with the original. Like, let's start with number one. Like, why pick and choose? And we did pick one that we were gonna watch that we thought we had it was Godzilla 1985. We do have a we copy have of it. it. We can't find it. <laughs> no, it's not even that. It's just that it is having oh. a playing issue. Oh yeah, we put it in the VCR to digitize it, and it just. And I'm not sure if it's the tape or the VCR or what what have you. Yeah. But I have to mess with it and see if I can get it to work. So instead. In honor of kaiju grindhouse movies and my buddy Joe, we're going to look at the first Godzilla movie from 1954. Oh, I haven't seen this one in so long. I cannot wait to watch Hasbro toys trample tiny little trees. No. Honestly, that's (laughs) what I think it looks like. It looks like some kid in a bathtub going, rawr! (laughs) No, this one's, uh... 
old school like <laughs> they did a lot of different things with this one but there's like guy in a suit and then there's I think there's a puppet at one point yeah uh, but it's really it's really cool it's bad but it's good it's that's amazing. what I've heard now the question is which we'll have to decide in the meantime yes do we watch the Japanese version or the Japanese. American version Japanese but there are, there are oh, two Grindhouse different versions. Oh, would play in English, wouldn't they? They'd they play would. the dubbed. No! <laughs> but that's not the, the whole thing. Okay. With this movie, when it was released in America, they shot new scenes <gasps> with an American actor so that it would feel more relatable for people here. Oh, so there's shit. two versions of the movie. How would you feel if I said we should watch both? I don't know if I could do back to back the same what movie if twice. We, what <laughs> if we set up? What if we set up the the little TV, or what if we set up a computer monitor and the TV, and then press play at the same time? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we have both movies running at the same time. I don't know if they work out time code wise. It doesn't matter. I think it'd be hilarious. It matters. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Nothing matters in film. You said this. <laughs> All right, but you'll have to tune in next week for oh, yeah. more for the on Godzilla. Exciting conclusion of Grindhouse. Oh, not yet the conclusion. I hope. <laughs> Continuation. If you want to keep up on everything that we're doing, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast. We're on Twitter at Grindhouse Cast. You can find us on Discord where you can chat with Leah about. Hello this week's film or any of the films we previously covered we'd love it film in the world really yeah we'd love (laughs) it if you suggested us some movies that you'd like to hear us cover on the podcast all the links for everything are going to be down in the show notes listen to us every monday morning give us a rating on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher or wherever you get your morning fix if you like what we're doing and you want to show this show some support you can subscribe to us on patreon or directly through Acast, where you can get yourself access to ad free listening or unlock some fun exclusive bonus content just for our loyal listeners until next week i'm sean i'm leah thanks for listening keep watching and keep on trucking baby (laughs) keep on trucking you know they never pulled that fucking horn anywhere in the movie they didn't they didn't you heard it, but they never pulled it, and I'm disappointed. Now I'm fucking pissed. I know. White Line Fever is a joke. Fuck. you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.